Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello there and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast right here on arseblog.oleole.com. It has been, I think it's fair to say, a fairly emotional week for Arsenal fans. The horror and the sympathy that we have for Aaron Ramsey having suffered that terrible injury. The pride that I think the vast majority of us felt at the way the team responded to that. The sense of community and pride in being an Arsenal fan that has been prevalent everywhere this week. And what I, what I mean by that is that in response to what has been uh, a huge amount of retarded shit, I can't think of any other way to put it, Arsenal fans have more or less closed ranks. And it's unusual in the sense that uh, anyone who spends a lot of time online will know that there is a big, big Arsenal presence online. There are blogs here, there, and everywhere, and websites and forums. And I suppose when you have that big of a group of people, there are some that don't get along and they don't necessarily agree with each other half the time or any of the time for that matter. But what has been noticeable this week is the way that Arsenal fans have responded almost as one. And differences of opinion have been put aside because we've been able to see that those things aren't necessarily important right now, if they were ever important. And what's important is the fact that one of our players is really badly injured and he needs our support and he got that this week. And what's important is that issues that we can see affecting the game of football that maybe others can see but don't particularly want to see that we at least are trying to address those issues and talk about um, reckless tackling and talk about dangerous play because perhaps more than any other club, we've been on the receiving end of it. And maybe there's an element of bad luck to it. There might be. Uh, But we've seen three players suffer three horrendous injuries. And after a while, it gets a little bit trying when you're looking at a 19-year-old boy lying on the pitch with his leg hanging, and you could see it, I think, more than the Diaby one and more than the Eduardo one, immediately you could see that there was a big, big problem with Aaron Ramsey. I think it was to do with the camera angle. You could see it straight away. And watching it on Saturday, I swear I was nearly sick. Nearly sick watching it. Not because of the injury, but because this had happened again. And because it happened to a a young man who was really developing and progressing well this season. But what made me most sick of all was I knew the response that we were going to get in the media. 
I knew we were going to get the he's not that kind of player thing. It had to happen because that's just the way the media operates. Barring uh, some intelligent and uh, reasonable pundits uh, on air and in, in print, the vast majority of them have shown themselves to be either stupid or cunts or both. Stupid you can forgive because, you know, they're they're just stupid. There's not much you can do with people like that. They're born that way. You can't make them any cleverer. They're stupid. The cunts are the difficult ones because they're not stupid and they know how to be cunts. And, and we've had to put up with a lot this week, I think, as Arsenal fans, a lot of rubbish spoken uh, about uh, our response to it. And I'll say this as well. Arsenal's response to the injury um, was unbelievably good from the point of view that Cesc Fabregas did an interview immediately after the game and said look this is three times that's too much it's very difficult these things happen in football but you know this is three times and Arsene Wenger was asked about the tackle he said it was horrendous and unacceptable of course everybody's up in arms about Arsene Wenger how dare he say something like that but every manager would say that can you imagine what Alex Ferguson would say if Wayne Rooney's leg was broken in two. Can you imagine what he'd say if any of his players' legs were broken in two? Or any manager? Because nobody wants to see that kind of injury happen to their player. And we're having all these ridiculous bullshit arguments put up about, well, he's not a bad boy, and there was no malice, and he didn't mean to break his leg. Of course he didn't mean to fucking break his leg. Nobody goes out to try and break somebody's leg. Only a psychopath does that. But, as I've said on the blog, if you go into a tackle recklessly, and the more videos you watch of that, you can see it's a reckless tackle. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if people say it's a 50-50. I don't care how many people say it. I don't care what they did in the game of football, what they think of the game of the fo- game of football, who they work for, who they support, or anything else. I know what I think of that tackle, and it's reckless. And if that tackle had happened in a Sunday league game and you'd see a player like that, there would be killings. There would be absolute killings. So for Arsenal to have said what we said, we said in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath, we said what we said and that's it. That was as much comment as we had to make. And it's been left to uh, Arsenal uh, websites and fans and, and, and everybody else to kind of fight our corner in the face of some of the most stupid stuff you will ever read in your life. From some of the most stupid people who for some reason have jobs as football pundits. Their only qualification is they may or may not have been reasonably good at the game of football. But just because you're good at football doesn't mean you've got anything intelligent or clever or insightful to say about the game. And you, these people, Cascarino said, it's not even a red card. Well, what would have been a red card then? If he'd uh, bent over Ramsey and slit his throat and then pissed on him, would that have been a red card? I mean, how much uh, damage do you have to do to another player before it's a red card? I mean, it's fucking ludicrous. Lou Macari saying that Arsene Wenger should apologize to Shawcross. How the fuck does that work? Apologize for what? For saying that a tackle which broke someone's leg was unacceptable and horrendous? This man is a pundit on television. He gets jobs on television to talk about football, and clearly he hasn't got a fucking clue. Not a clue. 
Stan Collymore, Arsene Wenger ought to go to La Liga or uh, Serie A where, you know, there's no physicality in the game. Not once did did Wenger say that physicality should be taken out of the game. Only that certain types of tackles are not acceptable or inappropriate. And any kind of tackle on any player from any team that puts him in danger of sustaining serious injury ought to be outlawed as far as i'm concerned two-footed tackles they weren't outlawed until relatively recently but now you can't do it because people accept that there is an inherent risk of serious injury so you do that you get sent off and then there's the morons the fucking retards who said well you know maybe his leg was broken already if you look at this picture uh, yeah that picture was after shawcross kicked his leg in two so it's been quite um maddening to have to fight against that and at the end of the day all this coverage of ryan shawcross and how he's not that kind of player and how he's a good guy and he went off crying and we'll give him our support say the england team it's been fantastic it's been a tough few days for ryan shawcross fuck ryan shawcross and his tough few days aaron ramsey's gonna have a tough nine months He's going to have to fucking go through all the pain of a broken leg, uh, having it pinned back together, the rehab, the physio. Then he's got to deal with all the mental issues as well. So pretty much fuck Ryan Shawcross and his tough couple of days. What's his punishment? He gets a three-game ban so he can put his feet up on full wages, gets called up to the England squad, is allowed to train at the Arsenal training ground. And again, I think the club have done very well to maintain a diplomatic silence there because I would have fucking kicked the cunt right in his fucking cunt if he tried to go in the dressing rooms. That's just me, and that's probably why I'm not a manager or anything to do with Arsenal Football Club. Uh, So fuck him and his tough couple of days and all the people that are going, well, he's been through an awful time. No, he's fucking hasn't he's come out today and he says hang on let me have a click around till i get this he says that yeah whenever i play for stoke i'm 100 committed and that will be the same as ever when i next play hopefully when i'm back from suspension i can do well again the fans and a lot of people around me have been fantastic in their support over the past few days well fuck you and your support you don't need support Aaron Ramsey is the one who needs support he's the one in hospital with the broken leg who can't play football for nine months You're the guy who broke his fucking leg. Support? What support do you need? You need a slap in the head and someone to tell you that the way you play football is dangerous. That the way you went into that tackle with Aaron Ramsey was dangerous. It was reckless and it caused a serious injury. Of course, you know a little bit about serious injury having already broken Francis Jeffers' ankle. But the problem is, of course, you get people like Sir Alex Ferguson ringing him up and all these pundits uh, saying there was nothing wrong with the tackle and they legitimize that approach and more players will get injured. And that's the bottom line. Uh, On News Talk here in Ireland, it's a radio station, they have a great sports show called Off the Ball, which I'm sure many of uh, Irish uh, Arscast listeners will be aware of and they do a football show. I thought this uh, comparison um, of Shawcross with a famous literary figure was was absolutely excellent. Have you ever read Of Mice and Men? Um, no, I've seen the movie, though. You remember what happens then? After basic, yeah. But you might want to remind some people. George and Lenny. Mm-hmm. George is kind of the smart one. Lenny is the big one. He's big, and he's nice. But he's unbelievably dumb. And uh, he likes uh, soft, furry creatures. He likes mice. He likes puppies. He likes uh, rabbits. And uh, they're kind of migrant 
labourers, you know, they're, they're trying to make their way in life walking around. It's a John Steinbeck novella, you know, so that's, it's, that's the kind of milieu of it. And uh, they're going, making their way from farm to farm, trying to find a job, and George is trying to find a job for him, and Lenny's just trying to find anything that he can pet, you know, little cute uh, rodents and puppies and whatnot. The problem with Lenny is that he's so unbelievably strong, yet so incredibly dumb, that he keeps killing everything he tries to love. So he picks up a mouse and he keeps it in his pocket and he takes it out to stroke it, but obviously he crushes it to death in his massive beefy hands. Uh, the puppy the same. And eventually when he starts to stroke this very soft hair of the wife of one of the local farmers, things go really horribly wrong and it all ends very messily. Who are you comparing this to? Well, Tony Pulis talking about Ryan Shawcross. Uh, says that he is, he, I know him, I signed him as a 19-year-old, he's got no bad blood in him whatsoever. There is no way in a million years he would ever go out to hurt anybody. I really mean that. Uh, he's come off the pitch broken-hearted. I should mention that Lenny is always always cries whenever he kills a mouse or a puppy or, or a woman. Uh, apologies for the porno music in the background. It's from their podcast, uh, which you can find on iTunes. Uh, but you get the point. I thought a rather excellent comparison. Um... Shawcross will injure somebody again unless he changes the way he plays. And unless people are involved in the game of football, whether uh, as uh, pundits or managers, unless that problem is addressed, the over-physicality is addressed, we're going to see more people suffer serious injuries like Aaron Ramsey, like Eduardo, and like Abu Dhabi. And the really frustrating part I think from an Arsenal fan's point of view is that you get the sense that if it happened to somebody important and I'm doing that thing with the quotation marks if it happened to somebody important then there will be a lot more made of it that these people might then decide that well you know we've got to do something about players having their legs broken instead of defending the people who carry out these tackles that break legs Instead of making excuses for them, we have to, number one, punish them, and number two, we have to do something to make sure that these injuries don't happen again. But as long as you have fuckwitted cunts like Collymore and Cascarino and Lou Macari and Paul Parker, did you hear what he said? Paul Parker said, you know, a player could break his leg running along the the pitch. What's the ref going to do? Book a blade of grass? I mean, fuck off. Who gives this man a platform to spout shite like that? If you don't have anything intelligent to say, just shut the fuck up and go away. Because the the more people listen to the kind of crap you spout, the more dangerous it is uh, for footballers. So before I go on too long, and I've gone on quite long enough already, I think, and this is, we're only just starting the show. Uh, well done, Arsenal fans. I'm always proud to be an Arsenal fan, but this week has been a pleasure to be by your side. Uh, we have uh, come together in the face of horrendous, um, horrific, and awful contitude, and we have shown our true colours, which are red and white. And finally, to Aaron Ramsey, all we can do is wish him our very best that uh, he has a complication-free rehab and he comes back bigger, better and stronger and uh, has a fantastic career at Arsenal Football Club. Now, uh, to talk a little bit more about this, as if enough hasn't been said already, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Arscast France Football's Philippe Auclair. Hello, Philippe. Hello, Andrew. Now, um, obviously, the, the main issue on the agenda today is what happened to Aaron Ramsey uh, and 
the the subsequent fallout uh, from that, both for, from an Arsenal point of view and from from the way it, it's been reported in the media. Very quickly, though, I, as I don't want to focus on on Ryan Shawcross because too much I think has been said about him I, I would just very quickly like to ask you your opinion of the tackle itself or of the challenge I might say um, I think yes the challenge probably is a better word than tackle because uh, I would say it was to say the least reckless um, uh, you could say it was a 50-50 ball all these sort of things which we've heard on the other hand what makes the difference and which something which every every person who's ever played football will know is how high you place your foot when you're making contact with the opponent. If you're sliding around the gr- along the ground, uh, there's very little chance that there's going to be a serious injury. If you do, as he did, actually tackle, so to speak, or fight for the ball over the ball itself, then you're under risk of a serious injury. So I think, yes, the least you could say that it was a reckless tackle. Um, I think, to be honest, I agree with you. I think the least said about it, but the better. It was, it was a tackle that deserved a red card. Now, uh, let's talk about something else, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. In, in the immediate aftermath of the game, Arsene Wenger um, said that the tackle was unacceptable and horrendous. Yep. Now, yep. I would defy any football manager from any team at any level, let alone one who has seen this happen three times, to, in the, in the um, few moments after the game, to be as measured as Arsene Wenger was, he said the tackle was unacceptable and it's horrendous. This is a tackle that broke somebody's leg. So uh, on both those counts, in my opinion, he's, he's absolutely right. Nevertheless, we have seen people um, criticize Arsene Wenger, saying he should apologize to Ryan Shawcross. The, uh, the backlash against uh, whinging Wenger has, has gone on all week. He's kept his counsel... Uh, very quiet since then he hasn't had anything to say and I, I presume at today's press conference he will he will be talking about it in more detail um how do you view the the criticism of Arsene Wenger for his comments after the game um with some incomprehension um because I could understand for example uh, at a pinch that people reacted to what he said after Martin Taylor's tackle on Eduardo when he said he should never play football again, which mm. you know was something he said in the heat of the moment, and which he actually apologized for uh, later on, uh, which, by the way, not many managers would have done. I can think of a few who wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, but I was actually struck when I watched uh, Arsene speak about um, the tackle by how measured he, he was, but also how, you know, how shaken he, he looked and ashen-faced, uh, couldn't b- bring himself to, to speak about the game that if you look at the result, was was a fantastic result for Arsenal. Um, but I, I, I think that he, he showed remarkable composure. I think that he didn't try to, he didn't attack um, Shawcross himself, I think. Uh, he actually stressed that Stoke had until then been playing hard physical football, but fairly. And uh, I really couldn't understand why people would react to that. So I was thinking, well, what do they expect him to say? Uh, something on the line, oh, it's just bad luck, uh, good luck to the boy, you know, he didn't mean it. <laughs> uh, is, is that what they were expecting? Yeah. Um, you know, especially, as you say, after what happened, um, Dan Smith and Abu Dhabi, 
um, what happened as well, uh, Taylor on, on and Eduardo, and, and a few other bad tackles which could have led to very serious injuries. Actually, if I remember well, Theo Walcott himself was on the receiving end, and one of his injuries was caused by one of those so-called impact tackles. So I couldn't understand why there would be such a backlash uh, on Wenger, and why in a matter of hours, literally, uh, the focus um, turned from one victim to an, a supposed victim, mm. and how little was made of how um, Aaron Ramsey's career could literally have been derailed at the very start, and that instead we were asked to feel sorry for the perpetrator of the tackle. Um, and I, I was well placed to, to judge of the media reaction because I was asked to, um, to react to it on, on Talk Sport, which I know is not one of your favorite radio stations, <laughs> Andrew. And, uh, but to be honest, I was given a very fair hearing, and, uh, but realized afterwards that what I had said obviously had been played again and had come across some very strong criticism by Stan Collymore, among other people. Mm. Now, the reaction, the media reaction, uh, has been astounding, um, astonishing, but, and, but very interesting at the same time. The people who have all uh, asked um, Wenger to apologize, I'm not talking, I won't actually uh, even talk about what Lou Macari said, which I thought was disgraceful, really. Mm. Um, it, it, it highlighted two things for me. First of all, that this is what you get when your reporting and your punditry is left to former players. And in, in Britain, uh, almost every single pundit analyst of the game is a, a former player, as if, you know, having been a horse, you could be a jockey, to paraphrase <laughs> Arigasaki. <laughs> and is this not the case elsewhere? Uh, not necessarily. Um, you do have analysts. Um, I mean, if I'm thinking, for example, in France, uh, of, of the people who turn up at the games and, and commentate on them. First of all, uh, I would say maybe the level of analysis is slightly better. It's certainly much better, for example, in Italy, uh, if, you, if you listen to uh, the commentaries and the analysis on, um, uh, on Rai even, um, you will find out the level is you know, very, very high. And it's not just former players and managers speaking, but also people who are journalists, people who write about the game, people who watch the game and understand it uh, deeply. Uh, what you have instead is, you know, a career in the media is, is just an easy way to, to earn a crust for a number of old players, older players, who've totally sewn up not just the, actually the punditry, but even the presentation sometimes, which is the case, for example, of Stan Collymore or Gary Lineker. Yeah. So uh, a role which, at least in another country, and I'm thinking in Ireland probably, uh, would, be would be given to somebody who is outside of the game, doesn't yeah. have a vested interest like so many people have, now, that avoids bias because it's fairly obvious that there is a bias towards certain clubs in, in, the, in England, particularly uh, Manchester United and Liverpool, because of the presence of so many ex-players from those two clubs uh, in, um, you know, in, in the media, for, for starters. So I, I thought, well, it's about time that we brought back you know, people who actually know what they're talking about and actually can articulate it as well. Uh, beyond, um, you know, who are not just giving an opinion, the men at the bar, but are able to have uh, an interesting conversation about it. Sure. And if you see the difference with, for example, the tone of, which was taken by uh, a number of some of the best writers in England, now the difference is really marked. I yeah. think probably two of the very best ones, Martin Samuel and Paddy Barclay, uh, were absolutely spot on in both what they said and what they wrote. 
uh, unfortunately, their, their, their opinion, which is more of an, it's not an opinion, it's actually an analysis and try, an attempt to understand what happened, has been totally uh, silenced by the, the shrillness of, of the chorus of so-called ex-players, who, by the way, understand extremely little about the modern game. Uh, many of them retired quite a long time ago. Um, many of them have, I include in that people like, you know, Alan Hansen. Um, Alan Hansen never played uh, the football at the pace that he's played today. Um, it, it's, it's, it's quite shocking, really. And, and you have a deficit of, of knowledge and of understanding. And at the same time, when you mix that with prejudice, and I, I, dare I say, uh, xenophobia, uh, you have a mixture which is quite poisonous, really. Mm. And um, if you talk around, you know, obviously, you know, in the press boxes, I've watched a number of games over the past few days. Um, obviously, the conversation has been about what happened at Stoke. Uh, you'd be surprised how the, the, the guys from the written press uh, have a very, very different attitude to what happened. Um, um, from what you had on the airways, because we, we were absolutely deafened by a chorus of, of indignation against this foreigner who dares tell us that the game is too physical and so forth, and we've got to keep, you know, uh, the game a, a, a physical game. And I, I, it brought to mind uh, a, a very good book um, called Englischer Fußball, which was written and uh, published last year by um, the, the German journalist uh, Raphael Honigstein, uh, in this country, that is, yeah. in which he, he tries to analyze um, this, I think, almost like um, the, the, this idea of masculinity and virility, and, 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 uh, which, which goes towards violence, and which I think if you, uh, is symptomatic of people who have a, I think a certain sense of insecurity about their own sexuality. I don't know. That's the way I take it. And, <laughs> that might be going a bit too far. I'm not sure I would, I would tell that. And the other thing as well I'm very surprised at is that uh, it can be described physical being a, a, a game for brave men when, to be honest, who are the cowards? A coward is the man who commits a reckless, ta a reckless tackle. Mm. Every single hard man I've ever come across in English football, all of them were cowards. As soon as they were fouled against, they would jump to their feet and scream at the referee. On the other hand, it's not quite duel in the sun or, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. There is no noble, you know, fight between two people face to face. A tackle, tackles of that kind, beyond the show cross tackle, are actually very cowardly acts. And that's one thing that I'm surprised people don't pick on and don't agree with. Um, you know, if, again, anyone who's played football, you enjoy, the, as they say, the rough and tumble. You enjoy, you know, the shoulder charges and, and even, you know, the 50-50 challenges. That, that's great fun when you're playing. Yeah. But it's, there's a huge difference between that and a culture of rough them up, they don't like it up them. It's yeah, completely different. True. I and, mean, sorry, I mean, sorry. what I was going to ask you, I mean, on that very point, is that the minute somebody says, uh, and you've, you've spoken about some of the people that, that wrote very intelligently about this during the week, the minute you say a tackle like that is unacceptable, a tackle which leaves a player on the ground with his leg hanging off is unacceptable, the immediate answer that you get back from people is, oh, well, you want to take all the physicality out of the game, why don't you go off to Italy or Spain and play your football? 
football there. And it's not so much about taking all the physicality out of it, because I think, like you say, everybody loves that. Watching it and playing it, and I certainly still play, and, and I quite like you know having a, a physical battle with a striker when I'm playing at the back. But the, the, the difference is, is that you've got to be able to distinguish between physical play and play which is dangerous and reckless and might cause injury to another player. And, and I, what surprised me most of all is that not one article really uh, uh, have we read about how can uh, the FA or how... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And somebody uh, or people involved in football make sure that these kind of accidents or these kind of uh, injuries like the one that, that Aaron Ramsey suffered don't happen again how can the disciplinary procedures change how can Shawcross only get a three match ban when we see Alex Song getting a, a two match ban for, for uh, cumulative uh, yellow cards so um, you know they, they set up these straw man arguments whether it's deliberate to provoke a reaction I don't know but they're there and, and it's very difficult to have intelligent discussion well, uh, in the case of um, of punishment, I mean, um, um, uh, a simile which has been made, and I think you were not um, actually, you had some role to play in that, is the simile with speeding, which I think is absolutely perfect. Um, the, the fact is that uh, you, people realize that if you wanted pe- you know, people to drive a little bit more considerately in, uh, uh, on, on, on the road, remember that there, were actually no, um, there was no road code uh, in, in Britain almost until the Second, uh, the second World War. Mm. You know, it was all about gentlemanly and blah, 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 and courtesy. And they realized, well, actually, it doesn't work. You've got to punish. You've got to prevent and you've got to punish. And okay, you might not mean to do something, but you know that the sanction is going to be extremely severe. Result of that, people take more care about things. Sure. It doesn't mean that they don't drive. They, they can drive pretty aggressively as well. <laughs> but uh, they, they take more care of what, of what they're doing. And I think that the proposals, which is if you commit a bad tackle, a reckless tackle, I'm not talking about pure accidents, which happen sometimes. When you commit a bad tackle worthy of a red card and your opponent is taken out of the game for a certain duration, your suspension should be the same length. Uh, that's something I've, I've said for a very long time, and I'm told you're completely crazy. It will never happen. Uh, and I say, well, maybe it will never happen. But if it happened, I can tell you, you would not see those bad tackles any longer. People would think mm-hmm. twice about launching themselves completely recklessly in a so-called 50-50 ball or, uh, with, with the studs showing over the ball. Uh, and, and that wouldn't diminish the physicality of the game. It's a question of simply fine-tuning uh, the, uh, the, the, the behavior on the pitch in accordance to new rules. Now, the other thing as well um, is that 
when people say, you take out the physicality if you prevent this kind of tackles being made, I said, look at the great defenders. Look at Franco Baresi. Look at Lucio today. Look even, and I'll take an example which might not be very popular with everybody, but look at John Terry. Has he ever, bro- has he ever broken anybody's leg? I don't think so. Mm. I actually remember some pretty hefty tackles and, and yellow cards. I don't remember him trying to injure a player, whatever you might think of, you know, the man or the player, whatever. And, and you could go, and you go through all these, these great defenders. Was Paolo Maldini a, a, a coward? I don't think so. True. He was maybe the greatest defender we, we, we've seen. And, and you put all this together and you realize the problem is that some people just like the skill, like the technique, like the intelligence as well, uh, to be able to practice a physical game without resorting to plain violence. And if we can take out of the game those people who are not skillful enough to play it, well, isn't that great? Isn't that what we should be aiming at? Yeah. Do, do you feel the media has had a role to play in... Uh, I, I was accused of, of uh, putting forth conspiracies, and I don't think it, it's a conspiracy. I just don't think it's a coincidence that this belief that if you kick Arsenal, they don't like them. As I said on the blog, nobody likes to be kicked. And uh, the, the example I first remember, really, is the, the Bolton game in the 2002-2003 season. I think Arsenal lost two games or two players in that game who were taken off uh, by injury. Uh, yes. The one I remember most is, is Freddie Jumberg. And what struck me about that was because it was J.J. Okocha who um, is never uh, had any sort of reputation as a hard man or a guy who, who goes in difficultly or, or deliberately to hurt somebody. But that, that tackle was deliberate. And, and since then, since Allardyce got the result that day, and it was somewhat fortuitous, I remember, because of that, that own goal. But since that day... That has become conventional wisdom. It's accepted. We hear it spoken about time and time and time again uh, by Sky Television in the media. Arsene addressed it in one of his press conferences. And I'm not ever suggesting that a manager says to, to one of his players, go out there and, and hurt Arsenal, although I believe Allardyce did that that day. Um, but when you send your players out with that frame of mind, in that frame of mind, that clearly Shawcross was in, and, and the, the, the example that you spoke about earlier about a, a hard man and a coward who doesn't like to be kicked, you can talk about that about Shawcross as well because you reacted badly to a, a Fabregas challenge. But when, when managers send their teams out, when they read in the newspapers and see on television and goals on Sunday and all these programs talking about how Arsenal don't like to be kicked, you are maybe not a, a major factor, but certainly a contributing factor in what happened to Aaron Ramsey and the other two injuries, I think. Yeah, I believe you're right. And I believe that it's something which also um, should, you know, cannot be doubted. I'm sure if you made a search you know, on the internet and looked at um, uh, they don't like it up um, uh, and all this sort of thing, you've got to get under their skin related to Arsenal, you would, you would find out that a number of managers have used those very expressions and they must have used them as well in the dressing room pumping their players up and uh, okay, they have to do it and one of the ways to, uh, and I think it's actually by the way, totally fair uh, to try and when you're playing a side that is very skillful and but also quite small in size with reservations because there are also a couple of big players now and there but it's totally fair if you're technically you're not that great to be quicker to the ball to challenge more uh, to press up uh, to press up field and so forth but it's, it can be done perfectly legitimately mm. but the fact is that when you're a player and again if the same anybody who's played at any level knows that when you're pumping yourself up there's you know like this before a game 
uh, in the dressing room, you you have this attitude. You, you become reckless. You become reckless. You know the adrenaline is pumping too high, and 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 then you start behaving like you shouldn't be behaving. Actually, as you're ashamed of behaving afterwards. But unfortunately, uh, some managers uh, have this this so-called culture. I don't think it deserves that word. Uh, this set of attitudes, I would say, uh, is being uh, uh, is being um, cultivated, grown by by a number of managers. We all know their names. We all know who they are. And I think it is totally undoubted that Arsenal is the first target of that. I don't necessarily think they're the only ones. Um, uh, I think, funnily enough, Spurs sometimes come on the receiving end of some pretty tasty treatment as well uh, when they play away from home. But um, uh, Arsenal are by far, you know, they're not the most fouled against team. Uh, Strangely enough, Hull is the most fouled against team in the Premiership and Arsenal just comes second um, in that particular table. But I, I, I would totally agree with you that there, it, it is not a conspiracy. There's no need for a conspiracy. It's just an attitude. It's just a feeling which is prevalent in the game that it is the way you stop them. Um, I don't think, unfortunately, much can be done against that until, until uh, Arsenal develop a um, physical response to what is being done. And I think we're seeing it happen at the moment, by the way. Because mm. I think that you can't speak about the side that we're, you know, of, of this particular season as you could have spoken of the side that um, lost the, the championship at Birmingham uh, two seasons ago. I think something has happened, uh, which is just not mental, but also physical. Um, th- there are some players there, uh, not least the captain, uh, who uh, don't shirk from these kind of physical challenges anymore. And sure. that is one of the reasons why I think it's, it's a rather different side and why that prospect is, is quite different uh, as, to, uh, uh, as to what it was beforehand. All right. I, one thing I, before I just move on to talk about how Arsenal reacted there, is there? Um, I mean, you talk about nothing being done about this. Maybe from an yeah. Arsenal point of view, two very quick questions. One: Is it a coincidence that the the horrendous injuries we've witnessed have come when Arsenal's harder men, bigger physical men, have gone like Vieira, Keon Parler, even Dennis Bergkamp, who who you wouldn't mess around with? That's the first question. Second question. Would things change if an English player as important, for example, as Wayne Rooney suffered that kind of injury under that kind of challenge? And the first the answer is no, and the, second, the answer to the second is yes. And I will take one example for that. Remember the treatment that Aldo Duscher got when he broke uh, David Beckham's metatarsal, sure. in which was mostly an, it was mostly an accidental tackle, by the way. So you can imagine um, what would happen to the player who, say, you know, would take Rooney out of the, of, of the World Cup squad. Uh, it would be an absolute slaughter. I have absolutely no doubt about that. What's, I, to be honest, I was a little bit surprised that it was not more the case for Ramsey because, well, he's not English, but at least he's British. And, but what is it? I mean, is it, you know, he's Welsh, the English and the Welsh, you know that. Um, he's a bit pretty, isn't he? Um, I, I was thinking all this thing, thinking, you know, there's something really pretty unpleasant and savory about the way things have been, have been happening. But yes, absolutely no doubt. If it had been a, a major Engl- England player, this would have been the case. The same thing when um, Kevin Nolan tackled um, uh, Victor Anichebe, probably the, maybe the worst tackle I've ever seen in the ground. Maybe, yeah, maybe. One of the nastiest ones I've ever seen in the ground. Another coward. 
Another coward, you know, presented like a hard man. This was a cowardly assault, calculated assault. But then again, if on the receiving end, uh, it had been somebody from the Everton side who was playing for England, well, actually, there, there aren't that many, um, but um, you, you would have heard a completely different um, chorus uh, of calls in, in the background. It, it really is a problem. But to be honest, Andrew, I think that a number of people are, are taking notice, particularly among the fans. And the change, I think, will come from the attitude the fans have, because the pundits, I'm afraid we're stuck with the same troop, same cast of people, um, some of whom, honestly, uh, I've only got one, one axe to grind, will say the same thing over and over again, mm. um, and, and hold on to some... You know, it's, it's one of the very few fields in English football which is still totally dominated by the English. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm wondering if there is not some kind of, uh, well, at least it's our preserve, we'll, we'll say what we want, this is our football, this is the way we want it to, to be played, and so forth. Uh, and and these people are genuinely distraught by the idea that the Premier League has become a, a, global, a global league, not just a league for, uh, for English players. But it is still an English league, and there's absolutely no reason why it can't remain an English league with the traditional values of the English league, uh, but, but, with, but by um, actually uh, taking, uh, taking these kind of excesses out of the game. All right, OK. Um, well, I agree with all of that. Let, let's move on, um, and, and you touched on it there, was the, the response of this Arsenal team and, you know, this sense that, that something has changed because we all looked at what happened to Ramsey and we all thought, oh, God, not again. Not just because of the injury, but because we, we were aware of the impact that it had on our season uh, when it happened to Eduardo. Um, the team, obviously, a little bit shell-shocked, but they were dragged over the line by a captain who who has this will to win deep within himself. I think that's fairly obvious with with Cesc Fabregas. And yes. it was matched by other players. We we saw Gail Clichy was had a, a quite a quite a difficult season, I think, in terms of his form and, and in terms of some of the criticism he's received from fans. But Gail Clichy was there. He was revving up Thomas Vermalen, who was obviously very uh, affected by the injury. You've got someone like Saul Campbell, who's been there and done that and been through it and has that experience. And again, like uh, Fabregas has that has that will to win. Um, it, it, it seems a little bit perverse to take something quite so positive out of what has what was obviously a very awful uh, experience for for Aaron Ramsey. But they really stepped up to the plate when when they were called upon. Um, maybe a little bit fortuitous that it, it took a penalty, but the, for me there was no doubt we were going to win that game. I, I, I agree with you entirely, and um, I mean, if I can bring a little personal touch to that, uh, it, it so happens that that particular game, the Stoke game, I watched at a friend's place, I couldn't go to Stoke, and I watched it in the same room where I had watched the Birmingham City game. That's very <laughs> unusual. And at the end of the Birmingham City game, we were still three points where I say we, you know, and everybody knows I've got a soft spot for the Arsenal. Um, uh, still three points ahead, I believe, uh, of Manchester United. But I, I remember jumping up saying, we've just lost the league. And this time, uh, when Vermeulen scored the third goal, I just said, we've just won the league. And I'm, it's, it's, you know, sometimes you feel things in your bones that yeah. th there has been a shift. There has been a shift in the attitudes. And forget the fact that um, Arsenal has lost and badly lost to Manchester United on one occasion and to Chelsea on two occasions. Results against the big four, so-called, do not count. Uh, whatever people say, the mini-league and so forth, no, no, no. For the last two seasons, 
Uh, it is the results against the so-called lesser teams, which has been absolutely crucial. And more importantly, the fact that you don't draw your games. And this Arsenal team might lose a couple of games uh, until the end of the season. To be honest, I, it can happen. I don't see them drawing many. I can see the other losing. I can see the other drawing as well. I can see people losing points all over the place. But th this is different. The number of times they have been led um, as well, you, you know, even at Standard Liège, which was complete shambles of a performance, well, they woke up and they won. And, and this was the same thing against Stoke. And, and uh, you can feel that there is, within this team, something much, much stronger, and of which the catalyst has obviously been Chesabregas, um, whose you know, performance, uh, performances recently have been, have been simply extraordinary as, as a captain. Um, and I, dare I say that um, he has now reached a level of consistency as a captain that is certainly the equal of Patrick Vieira at his best. And, and, and I think he's, you know, if he can stay, he can become somebody who is, will be looked on as a, maybe one of the greatest captain ever. If he carries on like that, his attitude was, mm. was astounding. But you spoke about Saul Campbell, and I think his signing, many, that many people had doubts about, has proved actually to be very inspired indeed. Um, it's pretty obvious that he's there to, to be uh, a dressing room person, but to be honest, the, uh, the performances um, he's, he's given in every single game have been absolutely superb, and he seems to be getting better and better with every game. I mean, the game at Stoke, which was a pretty difficult one, uh, was certainly his best so far. Um, so yes, there is, there is steel, uh, in, in that team. There is also a certain element of physicality. Um, unfortunately, uh, the absence of song is going to, um, to lessen that. Um, but yes, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to carry on speaking because all I'm doing is agreeing with you and saying that <laughs> it is a very different Arsenal side, which, which has got qualities that maybe people didn't suspect they, 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 they had. And a great deal of credit must go to the manager for that, but a great deal of credit must especially go to, to the guy who's got the armband and who is an uh, absolutely superb example of how to, to lead young men. All right. Um, I, I know we've, we've, we've spoken at length here and, uh, uh, I really appreciate that, but I know you wanted to speak uh, very quickly about Thierry Henry, who played for France on on Wednesday night, and uh, obviously he's got a special place in in the hearts of all Arsenal fans. But his uh, his career for the national team seems to be finishing on on a very low note. His career, full stop. I mean, he's mm. in terrible difficulties at at Barcelona, which he's bearing, I think, with some some dignity, particularly after the treatment he got. Um, after the, the, the famous hand of frog, and um, where everybody seemed to turn against him, you know, he's now it put, he's on the sidelines. He's probably the third choice on, on, on the left side of the attack at Barcelona. But he plays still plays for France. And yesterday, okay, he had a poor game. He's not fully fit. That's fairly obvious. He gave away the ball that led to, to Spain's first first goal. That yes, of course, he did that. He worked as hard as he could, and then he was substituted at the 65th minute, and he was booed, and uh, there, were whist there was whistling and catcalls for what was probably this last game for France um, in, in, in the stadium where France became world champions. I find that absolutely disgraceful. Um, you know, I, I have my reservations about Thierry Henry, like everybody has, but he's a great player, a magnificent player, and the way he's been treated, he's been treated in his own country, isn't it nothing short of shocking? And uh, I, I do hope something good happens to, to Thierry before you know he goes to America, as, as seems 
you know, it will be the case. Uh, I, I, either with Barcelona or with the French team, so that he can go up on the high that he deserves for, for what he's brought uh, both to Arsenal Football Club and to the French team. Frankly, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very dispiriting to see uh, a public, a crowd, a country turn against one of its best ever players in that way. All right, sad indeed. And hopefully, uh, like you say, things can uh, turn around before it, uh, before it all ends for Thierry. Uh, Philippe, we better leave it there. Thank you very much. Fascinating as always to have you on and, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Andrew. Goodbye. My thanks indeed to Philippe Auclair, and if you're uh, on Twitter, you can find him there. It's twitter.com forward slash Philippe Auclair. That's twitter.com forward slash Philippe Auclair. If you don't know how to spell it, Google it. Just make it sound phonetic. It'll it'll work, I promise. It's googlephoneticsearch.com. Honestly. Now, before we go on, a bit of this. And finally, for this news bulletin, a bear which escaped from Barcelona Zoo has been recaptured. Aubrey, a 13-year-old grizzly, somehow got out during feeding time, made its way down Passe San Juan and eviscerated and raped 47 people. Zoo owners have said they feel very sorry for Aubrey in light of a lot of public criticism as he's just not that kind of bear. We'll have more news in an hour. Thank you very much, slightly effeminate-sounding newsreader bloke. This is Talkshite Radio, talking shine about sport 24 hours a day. There's only one story on everybody's lips at the moment, and that is the sickening damage done to the career of one of Britain's brightest football talents, Ryan Shawcross, vilified by Arsenal blogs and people on Twitter, as well as a very tiny percentage of the mainstream media. How on earth is this young man going to get his career back on track? With us to discuss the issues are sex pest mentalist. Where did that Australian traffic girl go to? I would have liked to watch her having a wee. And annoying Scottish pundit. Hello there. If I can start with you, annoying Scottish pundit... Ryan Shawcross, obviously a victim here. You've got to feel huge, huge sympathy for him. Arsene Wenger said his tackle was horrendous and unacceptable. What do you make of those comments? Well, I've heard people say that Arsene Wenger should apologise to Ryan Shawcross for what he said, but for me that doesn't go far enough. I would suggest that he needs to be put in prison for at least two years. Those kind of comments have no place in the game of football. It's a physical game. It's a man's game. And if your leg is snapped in two, you just get on with it. That's what we did back in my day. Saying that about a young professional footballer, well, it's just absolutely disgraceful. And if I can turn to you, sex pest mentalist, you wrote in your column this week for the Daily Hoop that Arsene Wenger needs to go ply his trades in a different league. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, I think he'd be better suited to the North London Netball League than the Football League. And if he's anything like me, he could make holes in the wall and spy on the girls as they're showering. Uh, always a pleasure to have your views on the show. Uh, if I can go back to you, annoying Scottish pundit, just how typical of Arsenal Football Club is this? They react to an injury that happens in every game. Players get injured in every single game, but no, Arsenal have to take it to the next level. Character assassination, moaning, whinging, it is non-stop from this football club. And let me tell you this, one thing really gets on my go. You hear all these Arsenal fans going on and on about how Shortcross has never apologised to Ramsey. Has Ramsey apologised to Shawcross for making him cry? I don't think so. It's absolutely out of order. Well, I don't want to engage in any ethnic stereotyping here, but it's clearly because they're French. I know Ramsey's Welsh, but he's been tutored by one of the Frenchest men alive. 
and they just love to complain. If it's not about beef, it's having to work more than 30 hours a week or not being invited to the latest orgy. So you can't really have any sympathy for them, even though this is the third horrific injury they've suffered. Have they stopped to think about their own responsibility? If they were a little less French, maybe people would break their legs a little less often. You don't see them doing anything about that. And until they do, nobody should feel sympathy for anybody apart from Ryan Shawcross. Now that is analysis that I would pay for. This is Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. And Oh, uh, no, somebody gets sex-based mentalist. He's found Lisa from a cat. There's a restraining order. He's, no, somebody stop him. Uh, Talk Shite Radio, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back with Paul Parker on how Sam Allardyce is bringing the beautiful game back to life. Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. And we'll have more from Talkshite Radio on another Arscast in the very near future. Now, uh, even though this Arscast has gone on quite long, uh, we've still got to look ahead to the uh, to the Burnley game tomorrow. Uh, I think the atmosphere is going to be rather excellent. It's a sort of game I would have liked to have been at, but what can you do? Uh, I think the atmosphere is going to be great, given what's happened during the week and the way everybody's come together. I know there's going to be all sorts of singing and chanting uh, on behalf of Aaron Ramsey. Uh, Red Action have got a big banner. Arse Blog um, and the people from Arse Blog have, have put together a banner. Uh, it's uh, contributed to by many people, uh, but we've got to give thanks to uh, to West Antone uh, for his organization, Miss Kay for collecting all the dosh, and to Trey Rapide for designing the thing. So if you see the Arse Blog banner tomorrow, give it a thumbs up and uh, a cheer or whatever you do to banners. Do, uh, do you acknowledge them in some way or just look at them? Just look at it and uh, be in awe of its splendor as we uh, try and uh, provide a little tribute uh, to Aaron Ramsey. Uh, the team news is that Arshavin is back and Denilson is back, as far as I can tell. Diaby, 50-50. No Alex Song, of course, because he's suspended. William Gallas still out and Saul Campbell doubtful with a groin injury. And I suspect with Gallas doubtful for Porto as well. Uh, I would imagine it's going to be Sylvester and Vermala. No Carlos Vela because he's uh, back from international duty and he's very tired or injured or something like that. Uh, so that's the team news. Um, what can you say other than come on Arsenal? After the week we've had, somebody needs to get a pasting. And uh, if Burnley are that team, then that's fine by me. Uh, that's about it then for this week's Arscast. Until next week, take it easy. Let's hope we have uh, a much quieter, much less eventful, uh, but much more positive week uh, in terms of Arsenal stuff. So until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. I was sitting there, working on my great unfinished novel when he walked in the door. Tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. To me, he looked like trouble with a capital rubble. 
What do you want, mister? I said, I'm kind of busy here. I want to hire you, he said. Yeah, for what? It's a long story, he said. Make it short, I said. How short, he said. Like that kid from different strokes, I said. Well, he said, there's all these people out there blaming me for this thing I never done. I need you to go out there and find the evidence to prove that I didn't done it. Yeah, that could cost you, I said. I don't care, he says. I just need to get these people off my back. I looked him up and down again, those blue eyes glistening like dolphin testicles in the snow. I took out my gun, shot him in the leg. My God, what'd you do that for, he said. I didn't, I said. I'm not that kind of guy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.